What's up, bro? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How's it going? Good, bro. Good, bro. All good. You hear me all good? It's all right? Yeah, I got you. It's been happening. How'd your game go yesterday? Oh, bro, we won. But, um, yeah. yeah, it was just like pissing down with the rain. And I'm not sure if you've seen some of the photos and stuff from back home. But, yeah. It's... Yeah, it looks crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. it's just like ridiculous yeah bro it was I well it actually wasn't too cold like once we got through our warm-up because we warmed up inside but yeah like the like as soon as i got yanked like i got pulled with like 20 to go because we were up by so much i was just like can i go straight to the showers and they're like yeah yeah sweet so i didn't even turn around bro i was straight in the shower i think i, I was still in the shower by the time the boys finished bro so yeah but um, how's your like? How's your weekend been? Have you got your first game tomorrow? Yeah, uh, that's been all good. It's pretty chill. Um, boys just had the cap for today. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we would usually have like a like conditioning thing for non-players because this is our last game, so um, <laughs> that's basically it. Oh, grateful for that, then. Yeah, hard out. Right, like, I'm sorry if my Wi-Fi plays up. Like, all the boys are on like bloody Fortnite and Warzone and shit. So I don't know. True. I was gonna, I was gonna say, bro, because I, because I just run the audio. Should we go videos off and see if that that may help? Yeah, that might be better. Yeah, that's yeah. All right, I still got you. Yeah, that's all good. See, bro, I'll just do a quick little intro and then I'll I'll jump straight into my questions. And welcome back to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where I'm very grateful to be sharing a microphone this morning, because he's over in the States currently at the moment, I think it's nighttime over there, uh, with a, a Wellington product, but who eventually found his way down south in Otago and is now over in Boston with the New England Free Jacks, Harrison Boyle. Uh, thank you very much, my man, for taking some time out to talk to me. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. I've... Uh... I've been listening to your podcast for a while, so that's going to be interesting to jump on. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for that. Um, I mean, we've, we've had a well, we had a we had a chat yesterday in terms of linking up this whole conversation up, and even just prior to that, bro, I know that you're going into your last game tomorrow. So I mean, like, I mean, yeah. just and I know you're banged up a little bit. You said you go, you're carrying a bit of a shoulder injury, but yeah, just how's life for you at the moment? Um, and how was you know your first season stateside? Yeah, it's pretty good, thanks. Um, yeah, so I picked up an injury about probably six or seven weeks ago, just on my shoulder, and then uh, missed a couple of games, just rehabbed it and sort of got it to a point where I could come back and play. But um, it got re-aggravated last weekend, so going to sit out the last game, unfortunately. Um, but I've loved it over here. I, like, um, I've been lucky enough to get a lot of game time and stuff um, at this level, so I've really enjoyed it and all the Boys, you know, I didn't really know too many of them coming over. We're all from uh, all over the show, so it's been a really cool experience. You talk about getting a lot of game time over there. How does the standard of rugby compare to what you've experienced already in your young career? Um, it's a bit of an interesting comp in the sense that um, you've kind of got like a lot of guys starting off their careers, but then you've also got um, 
a lot of guys sort of towards the end of their careers. Um, like they get a lot of sort of international players coming at the back end of their careers who just want a bit of an experience living in the States and playing a bit of footy while they're at it. Um, and then you get a lot, a lot of young guys that are sort of just still trying to crack it. So you kind of get a bit of a, a mix of um, levels, but it kind of makes for a pretty exciting um, rugby. Like I think a lot of the boys from the UK and stuff reckon the footy over here is way more exciting. I'd say it's probably a bit better than club rugby. Not quite at might of 10 from what I've seen. But, um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's definitely sort of um, growing as well. I think all the boys who have been playing in the comp for a year or two said this year it's, it's a lot better and I'm sure it'll keep going that way. Now, America's always been talked about as a sleeping giant just because of the athletes they have over there. And you talk about some of the young guys that I guess you've you played with and against in your first season over there. You know, from what you're seeing, because I think the, the American competition really has only been running sort of like at that professional level for a couple of years now. Do you see them, you know, getting, I don't know, uh, what am I looking for? Uh, did you see them getting a lot better soon, you know, given what you've seen over there? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, the Americans, I've yeah. Pretty, yeah, I've been pretty impressed with the local guys. Um, there's obviously like these sort of like key positions where maybe, um, they probably lack in in terms of like really rugby specific positions. Like they've got um, good props and uh, locks and those outside backs. Um, but I think um, where the other nations will probably always be better, or not always so, but like over the next five to 10 years, still be ahead of them is around sort of their inside backs and hookers and number eights. Um, where a lot of the other countries, they're probably growing up playing rugby, they've got those natural ball skills and everything like that. But um, I think the competition itself is going to be massive for the US and their team because um, they recently just played England and Ireland. I mean, they got beaten pretty comfortably by Ireland, but they put up a pretty good fight against England. I guess they didn't have their Lions players and stuff, but um, I think having all those guys playing in a professional competition um, training all the time and everything's going to be massive for them. And I guess when you go over there, you, you look at the other professional sports teams and how they are perceived and, you know, the money get, they get thrown around there. But, you know, again, off your first experience over there, like what's it been like in comparison to like your time spent with the Otago and, you know, growing up the rugby academies? Have Has the setup they got over there, you know, is, is it really good? Yeah, I think it probably varies from team to team, and um, the difference in the uh, that like the competition here as well was that it's all all the teams are owned by um, investors and people, so different teams will be putting different amounts of money into their systems and stuff. Whereas New Zealand, uh, they you know it, it varies, but not to the same extent, just because New Zealand rugby backs it so much. Um, so like the facilities and stuff. Um, different teams uh, have different facilities, just especially like New York um, and some of those kind of cities, they probably struggle to find facilities just because it's um, a different place, whereas Texas and those kind of places, there's you can get land pretty cheap. Um, and then in terms of the coaching and stuff, a lot of it is um, people from overseas. So the coaching and everything's really top quality and um, the S&C, uh, is, is up there as well so I don't think it's um, 
you know, too far off, but there's it definitely varies team to team. Mm-hmm. And what about the crowds? Do you get many people turning up for the games? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think uh, it's not massive crowds, but uh, I know for us we get like three to 4,000 to a game. But I think the difference between like sports uh, fans in the US and back home is they're crazy. Yeah. Hey? Um, like, I guess everyone in New Zealand has such a strong opinion on rugby. They probably just sit in the stands and, like, critique everything, whereas in the US, they don't really give a crap. Eh? They just get behind whatever's going on, uh, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that tailgate scene sort of stuff looks pretty hectic across all the universities and even with the professional teams. Um, but that's cool to hear. It's cool to see that. You know, a young fella like you gets the opportunity to grow his game, you know, experience something outside of New Zealand and has thoroughly enjoyed it, bro. But I'll take it back to day dot with you. Um, you know, how did you even get to playing footy in the first place and where'd you grow up? Um, and before we jump into that, <laughs> I'm all over here with my questions, but I see that you were actually born in Boston. So did that actually play any part in you playing in New England? Or like, did you have any other opportunities and chose to play there because of, I guess, the sentimental thing? Well... I guess it sort of helped me getting over it in the sense that I was um, considered to be a local player, which you're only allowed like so many foreign players. But um, the our coach over here in Boston is actually our best coach for the Otago team. And he um, sort of signed to come here and I didn't really say anything. And then somehow he found out that I had a US passport and asked if I was interested in coming over. So it was kind of just a bit of a coincidence um, in that sense. And I didn't really look at any other teams because I guess um, knowing a coach and everything, it sort of made sense for me to come over to that team, yeah. All right, yeah, perfect situation, bro. Um, but yeah, born in Boston. Um, was it just like a temporary thing over there with the parents and then like were you straight back to NZ quite early on as well? Yeah, so I, I think I was only there for like the first six months of my life. Dad was just over there studying, and then um, sort of my mum and my two, two older sisters were over there as well. And then they just ended up having me. Mum got a bit of a surprise when she got over there. I think she wasn't. Uh, she wasn't really. She was going to have to be looking after two kids under the age of uh, three, and then had me on the way. So um, I think she's gotten over that now. But yeah, she she reminds me of it. All right, and then footy. How did you get into playing rugby? Is your old yeah, man so um, we came back to yeah. He um he loves his footy and sort of always I guess that was what we watched and like threw threw a ball around and everything it was always rugby, rugby or cricket. Um, and then I just um, grew up in Lower Hutt, so went to primary school there. Um, played my sort of junior club rugby for Huddle Boys Maris, and um, that was awesome. Like still. Have a lot of mates that I played junior rugby, um, junior rugby with there, and I still sort of go back there as well when I'm home in the summer and do some preseason training when they're doing their their stuff. Um, so yeah, I had had an awesome time there. And then uh, when it was time for high school, parents sent me up to St Pat's Silverstream, which um, as you know, great school. Um, I was I was pretty stoked to go there because. Uh, I guess like I'd always sort of watched the first 15 stuff and them them and Wellington College and those big schools, you sort of look to them um, in terms of rugby-wise. So, yeah, I went up there and yeah, loved every minute of it. 
So with being a boy from Lower Hutt, I mean, that's what, like a 20-minute drive from Silver Stream. Was it always Silver Stream for you? Did Wellington College ever, you know, come into your mind? Or was it like a mate's thing, you know, having like grown up playing for Huddle Boys Maris that pulled you towards Stream? Um, well, I think I think my parents always wanted to see me to Stream. Like, there was a Catholic school thing, but then there was also like the fit, like the grounds and everything. Um boys only I think my parents like that um and yeah so I think it was always straight I guess I just caught the train up there like it wasn't too much admin I just got on at Waterloo and got off at Silver Stream so it was pretty easy in that sense to be honest similar to like a lot of my mates um and I know how great the school is being an old boy myself but how did the school shape you both on and off the field yeah massively I guess like you I think everyone sort of um like grows up when they're at high school so um in terms of like the values and everything like they sort of they drive that into you pretty hard at stream and um I guess it was a real good environment for your rugby as well because like they took it seriously but um like it wasn't ridiculous like you kind of hear stories from some schools where the boys sort of by the end of the year 13 they sort of got a bit sick of rugby or um didn't continue playing rugby but I guess um like the program up at Stream was always based on enjoyment as well, and um, but they also provide you with opportunities to like push yourself pretty hard. And I think um, Tim Mannix, who coached in our first fifteen, he was he was awesome for that. Like everyone enjoyed their, their time, and um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I've heard very very good things about Mr. Mannix. Um, great man as yeah. well off the field or away yeah, from the footy scene. Uh, but focusing more on the rugby because um, we'll get to some of the, the school book stuff, you know, with you heading down to Dunedin. But your time in the first 15, um, did you crack it in year 11 and then play the next three years? How did it roll out for you? Nah, so I played like under 14s and 15s and year 9 and 10. And then and, uh, I then year, in year 11, I played second 15. And that was, that was pretty good, to be honest. Like, I wasn't ready for first 15 at that stage, physically and um, skill-wise as well, so... I enjoyed playing second 15, um, and that's, that's a really good grade as well. So I played that in year 11, and then was lucky enough to uh, make the first 15 in year 12 and played year 12 and 13. So um, I think we had pretty similar team, year 12 and 13, so we were pretty lucky to keep a core group of boys together for a couple of seasons. And now you boys were a very special group, you know, your year 13 group that uh, did these six from six with the traditionals. So for people that aren't uh, aware of what that means, um, basically our school has six traditional fixtures, which, you know, date back, um, what is it, since 1921 or there or thereabouts, where we play six schools from across uh, the, well, both the, the South Island and the North Island. I think the games have actually changed. I think my dad said that one of his, because my dad's an old boy as well, he said that his traditionals, we're against like Rathkeel or something like that. But at the moment, it's St. Bede's, Palmy Boys, New Plymouth, St. Pat's Town, Wellington College and Rungatai. And your team that did it in, what was it, 2017? Did the 6 Yeah, 2017, yeah. Yeah, that hadn't been done um, coincidentally since my old man's team did it in 1987. So, oh, um, yeah, bro, not, not, to, not to sound too washed with being streamers, but what, what it, that 2017 year was obviously special for that reason. But, you know, also with you being a year 13 and from the looks of it, you kicked a few rep teams. So if you can take us back to uh, a year 13 Harrison Boyle, like how did that year, 
even start for you? And then how did the good times keep on rolling? Um, yeah, so, well, I guess we had a bit of a rough year, actually, the year before. Like, we had um, a pretty good team and we were beating most teams sort of at halftime, but we just kept choking. Um, but there was, like, a lot of us coming back that next year for – our year 13 we were pretty keen to make it a good year I think we all sort of knew that we were you know it would be a good chance if we could put things together but um yes um we managed to do that but I guess for myself like um I guess I, I sort of was playing cricket as well but um I remember there's actually one one um point where I sort of knew that rugby was sort of where I wanted to put my time into was that we were playing a traditional um, on the number one stream and over on like the number three which is quite bite the first team boys are all doing like a pre-season training with like tires and stuff it looked it looked terrible but like I looked over and I, I kind of wished that I, I'd been there so I think like a lot of us sort of wanted to put in a bit of hard work and see what we could do and um, yeah I guess it, it paid off like um, we didn't even actually play the like that Hurricanes Festival thing at the start of the season. So we didn't um, get to test ourselves against those top teams to start the season. But um, I guess that, that might have even sort of bit us, bit us in the butt um, a wee bit when we came up against Hastings in that Hurricanes final. We sort of hadn't come up against a team yet in that first 20 minutes. We sort of, that's where we lost the game. Like I think we were down 26-0, um, 15 or 20 minutes in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the memories we made were awesome. Like, I guess you don't really remember the games as such. Right? It's just like all the mates um, that you make and stuff, as, as everyone says, but it's definitely true. Yeah, schoolboy rugby is a very special time. And in fairness uh, to you and that team that took on Hastings, I mean, I think you only have to look at some of the boys that have gone on to play professional footy from that Hastings outfit. I think it was like Danny Twyla. Falao Vakatava, Lincoln McClatchy. Like they were they were a pretty stacked side, yeah, bro. They, they were yeah. Um, and they were sort of on another level way. Like and they had been at top four the year before and lost the national final, most of them. So they they had a bit of something about them as well. They wanted to get back and win it, I think. Yeah. Experience in those big games certainly plays a huge part for you. But you mentioned the fact that you know you you were playing cricket and you saw the first 15 boys doing some off-season training and it was at that time that you knew you wanted to focus in on rugby, I guess, while you were at school. But then also for you, like, was there ever a time whilst at school or wasn't it until you got to Dunedin that you actually thought, hey, you know, I could potentially make something of my rugby skills career-wise? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really thought that way. I kind of have always just, like, really enjoyed rugby. To like, um, have just like taken as many opportunities as I can to like train and um, play. And when it was sort of getting to the end of year 13, um, I got an offer to like go into the academy at Wellington. Um, but before then, I sort of thought that I would go down to Otago and just do my study down there and play some rugby as well. But um, when that came up, I was like, oh, that'd be a pretty cool opportunity as well. But the manager, Rick, he, um, he was, like, really good about it. He actually said to me, like, don't just make your decision on rugby and stuff because there's more to life than that. So, um, yeah, it, I, it definitely made me think. But then I, I um, ended up 
getting a spot in the Otago Academy anyway. So I kind of got like the best of both worlds in that sense. And from when you're in sort of those systems that kind of, um, I don't know, I guess in some sense, like you kind of just have to turn up. Like they do a lot of stuff for you in terms of organization. Like you just turn up to the gym as long as you go on and do the work and everything. There's not like that self-motivation to the same extent that like if you're not in a program like that, um, which definitely helps. And you're in front of coaches all the time with the field trainings and stuff like that. So I, I think it kind of just came about in that sense. And I was always like pretty, pretty dedicated to it. Um, and I guess that came through my enjoyment mainly though. Yeah. So you met, you choose to make the move South. Um, I guess we, we have the rugby stuff going on down there, but also to give yourself a bit of life experience. Um, and now Dunedin is renowned for its student experience. Uh, so how did you find balancing, you know, the books code and then also having a social life? Yeah. That's, yeah it's pretty easy place to lose yourself, I think. Um, but it also, like allows you to have that balance like really easily um I guess I was pretty I was always pretty smart in terms of like who I chose to flat with and stuff like that we basically had like an academy flat so we were all sort of on the same timetables I guess like no one was like well, not too often at least they weren't going out like drinking um before trainings like when we had training in the morning and stuff like that which helps because I guess there's definitely some boys who lost their way down there um, just because of like the flats they've been in or the mates that they've chosen but um, oh, I definitely wouldn't have had it any other way though. Like, oh, I love my time down at Otago and yeah I've still got a couple of semesters left so I'm looking forward to going back there Cool and so yeah you were so you were studying law alongside chasing your rugby stuff and what was it from my reading you are three years in so you got what is it a couple of papers left? Yeah, so I've got um, I've got ten papers left. I, I, I'm doing four at the moment, so I've I've six left after this semester. Um, so yeah, chipping away at it. <laughs> a superb rugby player and an equally brilliant intellectual offer by the sounds of it, bro. Um, and just for me personally, I like I know Wellington gets pretty cold in the winters, but what was that reality check like playing winter footy down in Dunedin, and how tough is it? you know, for all you academy boys having to get up and do the morning trainings and even carry on after 6 p.m. at night when it's almost pitch black. Like, how tough is it training in those sorts of conditions or even commuting to your trainings? Yeah. Um, well, the commute isn't too bad because we would do our academy trainings. Was at, um, it was at the stadium, which is, like, right on sort of uh, university campus. Like, it was cold as in the morning. So I remember getting up in my first year and I'd walk to training. It was, like, probably uh, probably like a 10-minute walk. But there was days where the the road was, like, iced over and um, it was, like, a hill I had to go down. So, like, there was sometimes days where I'd, I would uh, – like, I literally asked up a couple of times, like, on the sidewalk just because it was iced over. Um, and then – You'd have to go home or you'd just like try find find other boys to get a ride home with afterwards. But it can make yeah for some pretty long days, especially like um other yeah, the working boys, they probably have it a lot harder. Like we we get to go to uni and sort of it's a bit more flexible and you're you're inside um with the heater on all day. But some of those boys having to go, you know, work on the tools and stuff after that, uh, I don't know how they did it. Bro, I still don't know how they do it. 
uh, even around Wellington with how cold it gets here from time to time, bro. Um, but yeah. you ended up playing. <laughs> you ended up playing two years in nineteens for Otago, but and you were involved with the academy. But when was it that you first sort of got your taste at you know being in the mixer with the senior boys? Um, yeah, so I think it was my it was my second year down there, twenty nineteen. They have, or the coach at the time, been hearing sort of had this um, apprenticeship program where they'd get like three or four young guys in for the my ten season. It'd be like six or seven of the ten weeks or whatever, and you'd go on and sort of train with them. And um, yeah, so that was that was my first sort of taste getting to train with all those guys and. Uh, in season and the taste of sort of like a full-time environment which was really really good and it sort of also helps with my um 19 stuff that year as well in terms of you're training at a pretty high level and then um got to go down to 19s with a bit more confidence um so yeah that was my first taste wicked and then did you end up doing anything with the highlanders over any pre-seasons in your time down there as well Nah, so I played like a couple of their like development team games, but I didn't do one of their pre-seasons, which I've heard are pretty, pretty yuck. But um, yeah, no, I didn't, didn't get to experience that. Yeah, bro, definitely uh, not for the faint-hearted, bro. But off the back of a strong second campaign with the Otago under-19s, you ended up being in the mix with the New Zealand under-20s and the camps that they run, which would have been at the back of the 2019 and then leading into what was meant to be, you know, the World Cup mid-year in 2020 uh, so how did you find you know going into that sort of environment like had you like even in your time at school had you been in the mix with New Zealand schools or anything like that to where you were rubbing shoulders with some of the best talent your age or was that uh, a new experience uh, for no, yeah that was new for me like I'd never I was never really in terms of like the hurricanes or um, New Zealand schools not really that close to that sort of stuff I guess I was like thereabouts but I was never um never picked for them and then um I guess having that extra year though definitely helped me like playing club rugby and stuff like that um so you went to I think we we only actually ended up having one camp it was the end of 2019 oh no maybe we had a testing end of 2019 in a camp at the start of 2020 but then it ended up being binned because of COVID unfortunately but um yeah, we had just like a week in Palmy, which is pretty cool. We played like some internal games and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was a bit disappointing not to get to sort of like see it play out. I don't know sort of if anything would have came of it or anything, but um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. No, yeah, I was going to ask you on that because I know a couple of boys that were in the mix for last year's World Cup or there or thereabouts, like you said. And they talked about it being quite a big goal for them. You know, some of them have been overlooked at school just because of where they came from, but obviously had pushed on, you know, in the years outside of high school. So had that team been a goal for you, you know, once you'd been alerted that you were in contention for a spot? Yeah. Um, I kind of knew, like, if I really want to have a crack at professional rugby, I was probably going to have to, like, do reasonably well in the age grades. Some just that's I guess that's how it works these days. Like whether that's right or wrong, they like to give young guys a shot. So um I kind of knew if I gave the under 19s a pretty good crack, like then I might get a, a shot at a camp or something like that. 
Um, and I guess anyone wants to play for like a New Zealand rugby team. So, yeah, that was always a goal. And that was something that um, I guess everyone who ended up making the camp and those boys who, you know, were close but didn't train pretty hard for. And that was, that's probably why New Zealand rugby is so strong as well. Everyone wants to put on that black jersey. 100% bro. And, you know, just going off of that, I'm, I'm assuming that you would have taken a lot of confidence and would have played a part in you earning a full contract with the Otago side leading into that 2020 Mitre 10 Cup. So maybe take us through, you know, what happened for you last year. So obviously you're, you're part of the 20s and then just playing club rugby and then like when do you learn that you've got, you know, a full-time spot with the senior top side in Otago? Um, so we, we did like a preseason block where there was like a wider squad and there was probably like 30 of us, I guess, around there. And then you get all the super boys coming back as well. So no one actually really knows, to be honest, how much of a shot they are in terms of contracts and stuff like that. Cause by the time they've already signed most of the team, but, um, yeah, did that preseason block. We had like a trial game. It was kind of like. I think it was the first year in a while where they had, had an internal trial. And I didn't really play that well, to be honest. I didn't even – I thought sort of that was that. Was it. But, um, yeah, then they had – they just had like a Facebook Live thing. I think it was one morning. I wasn't even watching it. And then one of the boys just messaged me saying congrats. Oh, shit. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Though. It, was, it was really um, good to be involved in that again. I didn't get much um, game time, but, like, you're training all the time and – um, playing like the scout, playing as the scout team against the top boys on like Thursdays and stuff. Um, definitely, like, there's a lot for your game. Mm-hmm. You definitely would have taken a lot of learnings. And were you still balancing your studies at that time, or is the is the schedule that comes with Mitre Ten too hectic to try add a few other things in away from the rugby field? Oh, it, yeah, it probably is too hectic, but I didn't know that I was going to be involved in it. So, like, by the time I found out, it was actually too late. I couldn't cancel any of my papers. I was forced to do a full uni workload as well. So I was pretty tired by the end of that semester. I was doing, like, the full training load, and then I'd go home at night, do all my lectures on my computer, and then, like, if I had an assignment, go to the library. And sometimes I wouldn't get home until, like, midnight and then have to go to training the next day but um like it wasn't too bad to be honest like I managed it I was just pretty tired most of the time yeah bro I can't even imagine juggling you know law which in itself is you know just a beast from what I've heard even though I've gone nowhere near it and then yeah um doing this rugby thing you know, even you know oh, and learning you, you can kind of I got pretty good at sort of Getting notes and stuff off my mate to adapt. <laughs> right, shout out to the boys, bro. Um, so I mean, yeah, from there you kick on, you go over to America, you spend a season over there. Um, and I, I don't know, what's what is the plan for you moving forward, bro? Obviously, you said that you want to come back to New Zealand and finish off your law degree, but you know, rugby wise, if things don't quite work out for you with the Otago stuff, I mean, like it sounds like you'll be you'll be in the squad, but like you said, unless you can kick on and get some game time, your you know your your rugby career might be better spent elsewhere. So, would you be open to going back to the states again, or have you had any other opportunities pop up off the back of your your game time over there? 
Um, so, like the ideal world, I'd probably come here for the first half of the year and then, then go back and play might at 10. This year was kind of a bit um, a bit tough because the season got pushed back a month because of COVID over here. And then, um, and then you've got to quarantine when you go back as well. So in terms of like finding spots in MIQ and then during the two weeks, uh, like you get back pretty late. So teams, I know a lot of boys have sort of struggled to actually get contracts just because of that. They don't know when boys are getting back and stuff like that. Um, but I definitely want to um, give my team a good crack. Like, I'd be pretty disappointed if, um, like, I didn't get a really um, get some good t- game time there at some point in my career. Because I guess being in that um, environment, like, um, it definitely makes you want to want to play um, and sort of just sitting on the sidelines watching. It's like all well and good, but you you want to get out there and test yourself. Um, so I'd love to. Um, hopefully maybe get some game time if there's an opportunity um, this season. But otherwise, yeah, I'd love to come back to the States. It's, it's been awesome. So hopefully come back again next year. Yeah. Sounds like a plan, my man. Um, and fingers crossed uh, all of your wishes come to fruition, bro. But before I let you go, um, and thank you very much for telling us a little bit about your your career so far, bro. Um, i got two segments that I want to end on, which I think, Again, grateful for you listening to a few of my podcasts. You you think, oh, you know what I'm alluding to, bro. So first up, can you take us through what your game day routine is? Yep, so my game day routine, I like to keep it pretty chill. Like um, over here, it's been pretty weird because we've had different kickoff time all the time. We, there was one game or last week, we actually played at like 12 p.m. midday just because of like all the different time zones and in terms of TV, but um, I just like to sleep most of it. Like I'll get up in the morning, have have a feed, and then go back to bed and go back to sleep. Get up again, have a feed, and then um, just chill. If it's an afternoon or night game, go have a coffee with a couple of boys, go for a walk. And then we'll have our pre-match feed, um, like three, three and a half hours before the game. And then uh, just before the game, just just uh, chill, really. I don't really like to keep it too um, serious or anything. I guess I think I play my best when I'm sort of relaxed. So I don't want to, don't want to like hold myself down to anything just in case things change, you know. It's a great way to look at it and a great way to attack it. What about songs-wise? Do you have a, a playlist that you go to on game day? Anything like that? I enjoy a bit of Wilkinson, you know, get a bit upbeat. But, um, but I, don't, I don't have like a go-to song I have to listen to, but um, yeah, a bit of D&B or anything from R&B, really. <laughs> Good man. All right. Um, we'll roll into my last segment then, that being 10 in the bin, which I've actually touched up a little bit. So um, you're going to be the first to interact with a couple of new questions bro um and you shouldn't it's nothing too bad bro um something just a little bit more interesting for my part (laughs) what i was prepared (laughs) all right bro question number one still the same though what's your vessel of choice at a pre-drinks on a night out um back home i like the the part-time ranger um the great white sharks quite like them or just corona um so yeah that'd be my go-to what about over in the States? 
Yeah, they they got like so much. It's hard to follow. They have that. They have those white claws, but I don't really like them. They kind of it's like mulch liquor or something. So you wake up the next morning, you've got the worst headache and dry ass um, if you drink them. So I've just actually stuck to like cause light or Corona beer here. What is their drinking culture like over there? Um, I guess it's probably a little bit different with you being involved in the rugby scene over there rather than the traditional sports, but are they like strictly beer and then spirits? Like, do they do like the mixes, you know, like the part-time ranges sort of buzz that we have back here in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, they they do, but not like sort of the, well, I guess it's like, I don't know how to put it, but like, in Dunedin, there's always different like mixes popping up, like the RCDs. Mm. Over here, it's all sort of that those big brands and everything. I guess because it's just such a big market, you don't find those like real small niche drinks. But um, they drink anything. I've actually been surprised. Like I thought New Zealanders drank a lot. These guys will drink like all the time, like mid midweek Sundays. They love it. They're not too dissimilar to Dunedin. No, 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 not at all. All at home. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. All right. Uh, who's the most notable coach's pet that you've been around? Um, probably one of my flatmates who's in the academy with me. He played like sevens for Tasman and Otago Bees and stuff. Graham Urquhart, he's terrible. Like, he would always just be on the coach's nut and it was just <laughs> it was wounding to be around. <laughs> Great shout out. All right. Who was your idol growing up? Uh, Dan Carter, I think, like, he was just the man. Eh? Like, any chance I got to watch him, I loved it. And I got to meet him a couple of times, so that's pretty cool as well. Holy. I mean, I've, I've, bro, the, the first time I'd actually seen him in person besides the test match was actually back um, last summer at a um, at a music festival. And he just, oh, he, yeah. just he just glows, bro. It's so weird. Like, I'm, I'm with me being a rugby guy, of course, I'm, all, I'm always going to have this affinity to him, but he is. He's just the perfect human. He loves bro. his festivals, eh? Yeah, bro. He goes hard. He goes hard. Funny, yeah. I've heard some good stories. I want to be the guy. <laughs> you no, know, legend both on and off the field, bro. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, what's your must do on a day off? Uh, well, before I got over here, I was, I'll just do my uni stuff. But um, it's been quite nice. I didn't do uni for the first half of the year. So, um, We'd usually try go like see a tourist spot or something, um, just because everything's so new. And then there's the same um, when we travel for games. Like we'd have a captain's run, but the rest of the day we usually have to ourselves. So um, just go and have a look around, grab something to eat, just keep it pretty chill. What's that been like, bro? Have you had the the pleasure of going and checking out some of the big spots over in the states with your your travels between cities? Yeah, well, it's, that's like probably one of the yeah, that's probably one of the coolest things about the league is you get to see so many, so many cool spots. Like, um, as a New Zealander, you grow up watching all the movies, and everyone's sort of intrigued by the the American culture. And like we we played New York one week, and we we're staying in the middle of Times Square, and um, we played Washington, and we we went to all the Washington monuments and around um, the White House and stuff. So, been very lucky in that sense. Yeah, that must be a huge draw card for the boys going over there, you know, tying in the, the travel stuff with the footy. So, yeah, great to hear. Um, Favourite cheat meal? 
Uh, anything, anything fried chicken. Like over here, the fried chicken is on another level. Um, like there's KFC and stuff, but I thought KFC back home was really good. Like the Zinger burgers and stuff. That would probably be like, if I was being really sloppy, that would be my go-to. But um, we've got Popeyes over here, which I'm sure you've heard of. And mm-hmm. luckily, they don't have one close to where we're living. So I've only actually had it like two or three times, but that didn't have to be the best fried chicken I've ever had. So if I could choose something, it'd be Popeyes. All right, man, I need to get over there and try it. Um, if you weren't a rugby player, what would you be? And I want to take away the law thing because I know that's probably like the the most glaring answer, you know, given your studies. But, you know, I heard you say cricket or was there anything else that was potentially in the works if you didn't dedicate so much time to rugby? Um. A lot of the boys I played cricket with would definitely say that cricket was never a career option for me. So, not <laughs> cricket. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe like sort of go into business or something along those lines. I definitely want to work in an, in an office. I don't think I could do a trade or anything. I'm not a handyman. So, um, yeah, maybe business. You and me both, bro. Horrible on the tools. Um, cheapest teammate. Or even, you know, even from your time in the academy, were there any boys that were just so skint? Like all of us? <laughs> um, Jeez, <laughs> uh, cheapest teammate. It's tough, eh? Um, no, nah, I can't think of anyone, eh? I, like, as students, you're all sort of on the same budget. You just get, like, the student loan and then over here it's like pretty similar as well um true so there's no one that goes missing when the to shut around. contracts and then on the older guys they're living in nah not really i think pre- most people are pretty good in that sense all right bro that's it's a bit foreign to me i know a few boys off the top of my head but this podcast isn't about me um <laughs> have you got an artist or song on repeat at the moment is there any one song that stands out to you um, one song. I'll check my my playlist quickly. Uh, oh, some of the boys have been. Um, I think it's a bit old, but I'd never heard it before. It's like this song called "Big City Life" by Metafit. Um, some of the boys just been like playing that as a piss take, like on on the way to trainings and stuff, just like going through um Boston. So that's actually quite a good song. I've enjoyed. All right, bro. All right, Dad. It's my playlist. Uh, who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? Biggest grub, um, Keenan Higgins back in school. Like whenever there was a fight or like push and shove, he was always in it, and he'd always talk such a big game as well. He, I think, it was because like he grew up playing league and wanted wanted to play NRL, so he thought he was playing State of Origin all the time. <laughs> and I see he just signed with Hawke Bay, so I hope he. You know, continues that when he's playing for them. <laughs> well, someone's got to bring the niggle, bro. Um, all right, man. Last question. And I think I already know what your answer is going to be, but just finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for. For the boys. <laughs> Great answer, bro. I always say that to anyone who. Gives me those three words. Um, But yeah, mate, this has been an absolute pleasure of mine, um, getting to know a little bit 
more about a fellow streamer's journey uh, rugby-wise and even what you're doing off the field with your whole law aspirations, my man. But uh, best of luck, or best of luck to your boys in their last game against Atlanta, I think it was you said. And then, yeah, obviously rocking into Mad Monday. Um, don't get too wild, bro. And then, yeah, safe travels home. Back to Aotearoa, whenever that comes. No, thanks for that. Thanks for having me on and um, keep up your good work and all the best for the end of your season. Well, I appreciate you, my man. I'll catch you up. Sweet. Thanks, Jordan. Bye.